Hello and welcome to episode 11 of Calder's Calling, AHL News Now's flagship podcast and your premier podcast destination for everything surrounding the American Hockey League. Happy 2024. It's a brand new year. And after a short holiday break, we are back. I'm your host for this week. My name is Dina Weinheimer and joining me is Corey Swartz. Uh, Jay Foster is out having a social life. Uh, how dare he? I mean, I did in December. He's having it now. So we decided to give him the night off so he couldn't enjoy some NHL action. So, Corey, 2024, welcome back. Dean, I'm pretty sure they gave you a hard time when you were gone in December on the podcast here. So it's more than fair to give it right back, uh, even though we hope Jay has a great time. At the NHL game, I did the same thing back in October, so I can certainly relate. Yeah, checking out the San Jose Sharks. I don't even know who they're playing tonight, but uh, I hope they can at least give the crowd a good, interesting game, I guess. Get them at least a point. Get them at least a point. Yeah. Get overtime at the very bare That's why I always say when I go to games, I'm like, just let me say I can see points and I'll be happy. Oh, they are playing the Detroit Red Wings. Well, Ooh. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> um, good luck, San Jose. <laughs> well, at least uh, Andrew Rinaldi is probably smiling somewhere about it. Uh, I'm sure he is. Absolutely. So, but enough of the NHL talk. This is about the American Hockey League. So just a reminder before we kick things off here, if you haven't already subscribed to us on your favorite podcasting platform or on YouTube, do it now. Right now, if you're currently watching us on YouTube, double check that you are uh, that you have liked this, shared, and please subscribe so you can get every episode straight into your feed. Then I also would like to thank our show sponsor before we get going here, Document Doctors. When they are not on the ice themselves, they can also help you and your business optimize and increase your revenue and profits to a bigger slice. Check out DocumentDoctorsLLC.com. And don't forget to mention that AHL News Now sent you to them. So just as we start, you know, here with some quick hits, um, it's the way that we go every single time. We're just, I mean, we were off for two weeks, so we have more quick hits than usual. Um, but we're going to start off here on a little bit of a somber note um, that the AHL is mourning the passing of Reggie Savage who passed away uh, on December 24th after a battle with cancer. Um, it was announced by his sister. Now, he did play parts of 10 seasons with the Baltimore Skipjacks, Cornwall Aces, Syracuse Crunch, Springfield Falcons, and the Milwaukee Admirals, uh, his career spanning from 1990 until 2004. On behalf of all of us at AHL News Now, our thoughts, prayers, and best wishes uh, go out to Reggie's family, his former teammates, and everybody who who loved him. Yeah, absolutely. It's a uh, never the kind of story you like to have to report on, but like you said, definitely sending condolences to his family and friends and those who knew him. On a different note, we have some official details locked down in terms of personnel for the 2024 AHL All Star Game, and that is the coaches. The Atlantic Division will be coached by Hershey Bears head coach Todd Nelson. The North Division by Cleveland Monsters head coach Trent Vogelhuber. The Central Division by Texas Stars head coach Neil Graham, who also coached in last year's event, him and Nelson. And the Pacific Division by Calgary Wranglers head coach Trent Cull. So it's exciting. We don't that, that position is determined by the team's standings, I believe, at a certain point in the season, you know, that they're not going to be able to be overtaken from first place in their respective divisions, which passed around the holidays here, too. Uh, so we've yet to get the official rosters revealed, which we'll be, I'm no doubt, reacting to in a future episode when they become available. But exciting. We have some details and the, you know, the All-Star game is not that far away. Yeah, I'm super excited for that. So that deadline was December 31st, end of play. But uh, Todd Nelson and Trent Vogelhuber in that order were announced a bit early uh, just because the Bears and the Monsters have been on such a tear to start this early, you know, what, like quarter or third of the season. 
and there was no way that any team was going to to upset them. So Todd Nelson came first, Trent Vogelhuber a few days behind, and then it seemed like at the same time it was Neil Graham and Trent Call. So it's nice to see, um, you know, you have the guys who have been there before in Nelson and Call or Nelson and Graham. I'm sorry, I don't know if Trent Call's ever uh, done that, but the other Trent, Trent Vogelhuber, this is his first appearance um, as a coach and. As the Cleveland Monsters beat writer, I am beyond excited for him. And I can't wait to talk to him about it and see him out there in San Jose. Yeah, well, let's just say this is the winner's edition of the Calder's Calling podcast between me and you covering the two top teams in the Eastern Conference. And I believe the American Hockey League as a whole at the point of this episode here, too. So it's certainly been a happy new year for the two of us as beat writers, for sure. Oh, really? They are? Hold on. I got to check this out. So. I believe the monsters are second at forty-three uh, points. Yay! That's cool. Yeah, yeah. So uh, the Hershey Bears, uh, thirty-three games played, have fifty-four points. With thirty games played each, the Cleveland Monsters are second with forty-three points. Calgary Wranglers, forty-one points, uh, and it's really close going down. It's basically one point separating, or one point each separating. Third place, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, and then uh, the 36 point spot has one, two, three, four different teams in them. Uh, same for 35, and it just kind of keeps going from there. So it's a super tight race, but I'm glad to see at this point of the season, Cleveland's in the conversation. Yeah, I was about to say, it's what did I, I think the term I used last year for this was car pileup. Um, I think that was in specific relation to the Atlantic division, which is true this year still as well. But um, yeah, definitely a pile up in terms of some teams still looking to kind of, you know, pull out of the mess, you know, the thick of the pack there, but lots of opportunity for plenty of teams too, which is always what you'd like to see. The parody in the AHL is better than ever at this point, which is awesome to see. Turning to the Atlantic division, the Hartford Wolfpack have signed veteran forward Artem Anisimov to professional tryout agreements Anisimov returned from a brief stint in the KHL last season with 55 games played with the Lehigh Valley Phantoms, where he tallied 19 goals and 17 assists. So a pretty big ad there midseason for the the Wolfpack, who are kind of missing some key scoring. Well, I will say I am quite uh, biased when it comes to Artem Anisimov as those of you who have watched this for a while probably know I live in the Columbus area. I was a Blue Jackets season ticket holder from 2014 to like 2019. And yeah, big Artem and Anisimov fan. I'm glad to see he's still, you know, out there getting another opportunity and we'll see what, what he does with us. I'm kind of shocked with that pedigree of scoring last season that Lehigh Valley and, you know, by extension, Philadelphia kind of allowed him to leave their organization. I mean, you know, such anytime someone gets scores, you know, near the 20 point, 20 goal mark and, you know, well exceeding that in terms of points, you know, just from a veteran guy who, you know, is a leadership thing. I don't know if maybe the relationship fizzled out there possibly, you know, that's all obviously just speculation, but it's uh, it's hard to imagine they let him go very easily, but he was unsigned, didn't have a team up until this point. Yeah, I mean, you never know with these things, especially a more veteran player. You know, with the AHL, you do have to deal with the veteran rules. So I'm not sure where Lehigh Valley might have fallen with that. Or it could just be that both sides, it just wasn't an an, an equal fit. So either way, um, Artem Anisimov getting another shot here in the American Hockey League. And speaking of shots, we have our first goal of the 2024 season, and it belongs to Coachella Valley's John Hayden. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see a clip of it right here. Uh, yeah, if he got this in the lone game back on New Year's Day. It was the first of two goals for Hayden in a 6-1 to win over the Calgary Wranglers. Let's just take one more look at this. Just a huge effort. Great passing, carries it in and pass. Oop, yep, there we go. That, I mean, I preach so much about staying with the puck because some players just don't for some reason, but you got to be willing to get down low, get those rebounds. And yeah, 
he proved that this is what you need to do, and I just now realized that is on Coachella Valley's first shot of the game. Not a good look there. Is that Dustin Wolfengol? I think it might be. I'm not, not sure, but it's it's a great initial effort there. I mean, that was a shot for a rebound there, up right off the pads. So you love to see that as you know um, a line rush. You know, some guys tend to you know maybe overpass the puck there, try to look for the perfect play. But that's kind of simple, old-school hockey, but it works still, as uh, as evidenced on that play. And it was a big win for Coachella Valley, 6-1 to one over the, you know, Western Conference-leading Calgary Wranglers. So those are always measuring stick games, uh, highly anticipated tilts in the Pacific Division. Yeah, and that was Dustin Wolf. I thought that looked more like his stance as opposed to, to Oscar Donsk, but – uh, on the night we're recording on January 2nd, they are going to have a, a rematch, Coachella Valley in Calgary at 6 p.m. Mountain Time. So uh, I'll probably be tuning in to see what goes on there. You gotta love the micro playoff series in the Pacific Division. They don't they don't ever play for just one game usually. They usually get a few in there. That's that's a good way to get a feeling of some animosity and some playoff hockey. I don't feel like we quite see that out east here just as much. Uh, in general, not exclusively, but, you know, uh, a little more often than not. But staying out west here, the Iowa Wild named former AHL and NHL defenseman Cody Fronson as an assistant coach. He skated for 500 games in the NHL and 283 at the AHL level, last patrolling the blue line with the Hershey Bears in the 2021-22 season. If there's a guy that you want experience for, I don't think you can get much better than that. Why does it seem like everything always comes back to Hershey? Oh, you know, Gordie Howe used to say, or said once, uh, anybody who's anybody in hockey has played in Hershey. So even though he himself did not play in Hershey. So, um, you know, it always comes back to it. Fronson, you know, he was an excellent defenseman for what it was. That season was unfortunately uh, not a great one for the Bears. 21-22, they kind of bowed out a little bit early. Uh, or played with some injuries and recalls, but he had a dynamite shot from the point. He was a huge asset for their power play that season. Uh, never forget seeing a few bombs of his uh, that season. So I think that's a great fit for the Iowa Wild to have someone of his caliber on their bench and, you know, adds to what's already a pretty good staff out there. Um, it'll be a good reunion. Unfortunately, it's only out in Iowa in April, but when the Bears travel out there, it'll be a nice little reunion between the Bears and Fronson. From his playing time there and we're going to go ahead and stay out in that central division uh with the milwaukee admirals now D forward dennis gurianov has been named the howie's hockey tape slash ahl player of the week for the period ending december 31st dennis gurianov had six points four goals and two assists in three games this past weekend just when a player's hot a player's hot and you know granted they weren't i don't think either well it would help if i look at the right team but yeah um their game on on sunday unfortunately was a four to three loss against rockford but still you gotta give it to the player whenever they're doing that well and scoring at that much of a tilt yeah they make it pretty easy for themselves to stand out when you score four goals and add two assists on in three games i believe that stretch was um, makes it pretty easy. So great to see, you know, great to see him doing well. It's good to see some of these different players, you know, have these big like show me kinds of weekends where they get that kind of recognition on a weekly basis here really allows for some variety in the picks here. Speaking of picks and milestones, sound the milestone alert. We have plenty to talk about here on December 29th, Chicago Wolves forward, Chris Terry tallied his 300th professional goal. Uh, he's a long-time tenured guy. Used to seeing him out east. It feels weird to, you know, have his name associated with a Western Conference team like the Chicago Wolves, but he's still lighting it up over there. On December 30th, Texas Stars' Frederick Karlstrom tallied his first AHL hat trick in a 6-2 win over Manitoba, proving that more players other than Maverick Bork can score goals for the Texas <laughs> Stars since he is, you know, synonymous with goal scoring there for the Stars amongst their great starts. You know, it's awesome to see they're, you know, doing so well for a reason, for sure. I'm shocked that we're in 
No, that would have been December 30th, but the end of 2023. And that was just now his first hat trick. He has been scoring so much and doing so well this season, but at least he finally got it, I guess. So before we go ahead and talk about our three stars of the week, I do want to go ahead and give a mention to some more AHL awards. So, of course, beginning of a new month means award of the month honors coming down from the American Hockey League. Uh, so Clay Stevenson, goaltender of the month, Brant Clark uh, from the Ontario Reign. Of course, Clay Stevenson is, I'll let Corey talk about him here in a little bit. Of course, Hershey Bears. It's always about the Bears. Uh, Ricky of the month, Brant Clark out of the Ontario Reign and player of the month to Georgie Merkulov out of the Providence Bruins. Merkulov, 12 games played in the month of December, 10 goals, 8 assists for 18 points. Clark, uh, 12 games played, 2 goals, 12 assists for 14 points. And Clay Stevenson with a 1.73 goals against average, a 9.42 save percentage. He went 6-1-0 in December with two shutouts. Congratulations to all three players and their teams. Yeah, absolutely. It's always great to see these awards get handed out. Good to see some different faces in there, some people getting some recognition. But we will move right along to the three stars of the week. I guess it's technically two stars unless, uh, Dino, we want to you know put our heads together for a third one here since NJ's absence here. But uh, for my star of the, day, of the week here, I'm going to talk a little bit more about Clay Stevenson, who, you know, obviously – his star of the week, you know, he's the Angels goaltender of the month for December. But I just want to talk a little bit in depth here because his, his stats go way beyond just that, you know, little recognition here. He tied a Hershey Bears record on Saturday in Lehigh Valley. He posted a 37 save shutout over the Phantoms to make a little bit of history as the third goaltender in Bears history as a rookie to tally five shutouts as a rookie. So to even up with that, he ties that record with Vitek Vanacek, who currently plays for the New Jersey Devils in the NHL, as well as Ron Hextall, who really needs no introduction back during the uh, affiliation between the Hershey Bears and the Philadelphia Flyers. Hextall, you know, also tallied five shots. But it's worth noting, that's five shutouts for the season. Clay Stevenson has five shutouts, and it's just turning into the second half of the season yet. So it's an electric pace that he's been on. And I'd also like to call attention to the fact that he made 37 shutouts, save shutout on the second of a back-to-back game with travel. He traveled from Rochester, wow. where he started that game, to Lehigh Valley, who was rested for that game, mind you. And, um, you know, Clay still pitches a 37-save shutout, just another ordinary day in the office where the Bears had every right to lose that game. Here you're seeing a great, if you're watching on YouTube, you're seeing this great extension save. One of the things I love about Clay Stevenson, he is a flexible guy. They usually get a picture like, you know, every couple of home games where he's stretching in warmups and he is in the full splits, kind of like what you're seeing here, you know, with that full leg extension type of thing. He does that and, you know, he's, he's a tall guy, so he really makes that look easy. But, um, you know, he ended up going back-to-back due to the Capitals recalling Hunter Shepard after Friday night's game in Rochester. This is the fifth time he's had to go back-to-back for different reasons, you know, in playing games on consecutive nights. And he's done pretty good. I think he's only suffered two losses in 10 games in that stretch, uh, which is incredibly impressive. Uh, you know, then we'll get to his stats here. He has a 1.70 goals against average and a 0.937 save percentage, which are both top in the AHL, not even just among rookies, among all goaltenders, period, in 16 games. So to say he's been an electrifying goaltender for the Bears is an understatement, I think, more than deserving of some recognition that he is receiving both from us and across the league today. So you notice that I have kept this clip playing. It's because I want to talk about one specific thing here. So wait until the camera comes back to the close-up from behind the net. And you see here, right here. Okay, you see uh, Brezzo there right in front of him. And the way that Stevenson is looking all around him, that's not easy, okay? Yes, Clay Stevenson is 6'4", 195. 
However, Justin Brazo is 6'5", 245. That is a brick wall of a human. And the way that he, like, like you said, he's flexible. He's aware enough of his position that he still successfully tracks that puck whenever he's got someone of that stature just maybe a foot, foot and a half in front of him. Just outstanding awareness of of where the puck is, what his role is. It just, I don't know. I was just, uh, I don't know what else to really say about it. I was just enamored by that. It was, yeah, great job. And those skills, it's also underrated that the Providence Bruins are wearing some, you know, mostly black jerseys there, which, you know, blends in with the puck a little bit there too, which, you know, I'm always impressed by goaltenders in general when, they kind of face that kind of adversity. I can tell you only from experience playing in my adult league that, you know, when you wear a black jersey versus when you wear like a lighter color jersey, it does factor in on tracking the puck. Now, obviously, I'm not a goaltender. I That dream died a long time ago, unfortunately. But, um, you know, it always is impressive to me, you know, watching goaltenders, their process tracking the puck. You know, when I was a kid, you know, there was some kids that couldn't track the puck if they shot it higher than the boards. So that the contrast with the white boards – was literally the difference maker. So, the, you know, just one of those things you marvel about these pros on a daily basis, you know, on warm-ups when they're juggling pucks. You know, these guys are so skilled, and it's honestly just an honor to get to the rink to watch them uh, as often as we get to here for covering this and talking about it on podcasts. Well, we're going to go ahead and move on to my pick of the week. And, uh, again, if you've been watching me for any period of time it's no secret that i am uh, a huge fan of one trey fix Wolanski, and we're gonna have another clip to share with you he is my star of the week for uh well a few different reasons so let's go ahead and take a look at this uh this overtime goal here watch this set up by jack reeves he feeds it right to trey again this is an overtime trey breaks in all alone and there you go. There's a score. But what's most important about that goal? I'll let this cycle through one more time. That goal, I mean, he is right now Cleveland's leading goal scorer. But now Trafix Wolanski with that goal has attained a new moniker, the greatest scorer in Cleveland Monsters history, as he now owns with that goal, the the franchise's career goal scoring record. And now with some... Uh, Additional play since this game here against Syracuse, he now has the career power play goal record and the team record for career points. Uh, Fix Wolanski has also tied the club record in assists with 98, and he's also pursuing the record for game-winning goals. Currently, he has 10 across his career, which makes him second. Uh, just one from the all-time mark. I believe that one is also an Andrew Agazzino uh, record, which he's just tearing all those records apart. So currently, Fix Wolanski's 29 points rank him in the AHL's top 10. He's currently tied for ninth so far this season, and he's currently riding a five-game point streak with four goals and two assists. I mean, Trey has just been an electric goal scorer since the day he came into this league. Um, you know, one thing that I listened to a few interviews with uh, head coach Trent Vogel, he were, of course, he's really excited for him. But one thing he said now is maybe now that Trey has gotten all these awards, you know, maybe uh, some of the pressure is going to be off of him a, a, a little bit. And the way that he worded it whenever the pressure's kind of off Trey and he can start thinking about the team, then the team is better. So there's only one more that, you know, record that he needs to, to really get. And then he's got them all, but he is truly a legend when it comes to Cleveland hockey. Uh, just a stand-up guy. Uh, one thing I always remember about him whenever Mike Eves was their head coach, he always called him the angry little bowling ball. And it was that and young Trey. But angry little bowling ball is something that always sticks with me other than his affinity for sushi. Um, but yeah, because of all of those record-setting marks, those happened in back-to-back -back games 
because of all that, he was my star for that week. So, um, I don't know if we can really come up with a third star that's going to really uh, compete with, with, with these two there, Corey. I don't know. Yeah, it's a tough one. I, I just feel bad only having two stars rather than three, but it's two that are near and dear to our hearts. So, you know, my, that that's enough for to count as three for me. But how about this? How about we give Joey Decord an honorary star? Even though he's not in the AHL anymore, he is an AHL graduate. And during the Winter Classic, he became the first goaltender to ever post a shutout in the Winter Classic. Yeah, I think that's pretty good. Pretty good. <laughs> I mean, what, what, why not? He did some great things uh, for Coachella Valley last season. And yeah, I just thought, oh, let's just give him an honorary one unfortunately to me he'll there's there's one one uh one thing that stands in mind to me about it about him over everything and that's you know maybe that he didn't get all the saves in game seven of the calder cup finals last year but you know we'll give it to him excuse me for this year i did see that he got <laughs> some kind of cup called the coco cup which um you know was kind of a was Funny to me, to put it lightly, coming from the Hershey side of things here, too. So, um, but yeah, it, it's impressive me. I was surprised to hear there's never been a shutout in Outdoor Classic. I guess it's technically just the Winter Classic games exclusively, um, since that still holds its own branding, I believe, compared to the, you know, the seemingly, seemingly plethora of outdoor games that the NHL holds year on year. But yeah, yeah. Yep, and I just double-checked here, and yeah, it says jo goalie Joy Decord made 35 saves to become the first NHL goalie to record a shutout at the Winter Classic. So I think that's the qualifier, Winter Classic. If I said outdoor game, I'm just used to just having the one outdoor game in the AHL, so. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same way. It's, you know, it, it started being one and then two, and, you know, now they have a whole series coming up, at, I believe, in February that... Uh, you know, there's a couple of teams taking part of over in New Jersey, if I'm memory serves correctly. So it's truly hard to keep track of all of them at times. All right. Well, before we move on to Corey's uh, segment here, I do have some more to share about our sponsor of the show and AHL News Now, Document Doctors. Is your business growing beyond the four walls of your office? As businesses grow, so do the challenges of keeping people trained, safe, and supported. Document Doctors, a proud sponsor of the Calder's Calling podcast and AHL News Now, offers affordable solutions to help optimize your business and keep the good times rolling. They offer content-focused solutions such as training document creation, back office process optimization, policy and procedure development, and much more. Support the podcast and AHL News Now by visiting them at documentdoctorsllc.com. And don't forget to mention us when you are talking to their team of contentologists. So, Corey, we have lots of time here. We're, of course, you know, when you have two versus three, you're going to have a little bit of extra time. So I'm handing the show over to you. Uh, if you want, for maybe the next 15 minutes or so, maybe we can talk about, I think, uh, some Hershey Bears. Is that what you're talking about it yet on the podcast. Yeah. Either it didn't line up or there was something else to kind of talk about. But the Bears got me. They've, you know, they've been on a roll here of late and this season in general. And it's just one of those things I feel is worth devoting its entire, you know, you know, I, you know me, I'd come up for an excuse to make this my segment anyhow, but you know, they, they've really made it easy. I'm starting to run out of metrics to be able to, you know, say that this team has been so good about. But let's just take a look at the facts here. They played 33 games this season. They are 27-6. and 27-6, oh, and oh. Um, They've only won games in overtime. They haven't lost any just yet. That point total is good for 54 points. Obviously, there's a few teams in the league. You know, not everybody's – everybody's kind of played a few less games. We are talking about the Monsters earlier – they're the next best team, 54 points to 43. I mean, it's just – it's this incredible pace that the Bears are on right now. This is their, only their second longest winning streak of the season at 8-0-0. They're going to try to match that on Wednesday when this podcast episode comes out uh, when they take on the Charlotte Checkers, who were the last team to beat them way back on December 10th. So it's been a long time. And, you know – Let's, you know, remember that was dissecting, you know, a couple losses there. 
before their previous best streak of nine wins in a row. They are 18. They have 18 wins in their last 20 games, Dina. I mean, it's just, you know. Wow. Outside of maybe the 2009-2010 team, you know, we'll never really get a truly fair comparison just because there's a large discrepancy in games played 72 to what was 80 back in those days. But, you know, it, it almost feels like the comparisons are starting to creep in just a little bit between those two Bears teams. And keep in mind that 2009-10 Bears team, I think they had something like 123 points that season. You know, I wouldn't say they breezed their way to the Calder Cup because they had to come, overcome some adversity in the Calder Cup finals to uh, overcome a 2 nothing series deficit to the Texas Stars. But, you know, this was a team where they were – there's nothing like them. I don't know if there's anything gonna, that's going to be quite as offensively potent as that team was. But, you know, it, it, this team has just done such a great job. I mean, you have guys that have really stepped up, you know, above their pay grade. I'm just going to name a couple of them that have been, you know, big revelations to me. You have, you know, Pierre Dubay, who has 17 goals. Yeah, his previous best was only 16 in his rookie season. And again, you still have half the season to go. Mike Scarbosa is on a point per game pace. Uh, which would be a new career high if he maintains that pace. Joe Snively, Ethan Frank, 14 goals for Frank, um, 25 points for Snively, Alex Limoges. Basically, every player that the Bears have signed in free agency or brought in as a rookie have been outstanding so far. And, you know, they obviously have this really tight team that just won the Calder Cup. And, you know, Todd Nelson mentioned at one point that the only – issue that he was concerned about was having like a championship hangover, which, you know, makes sense given how late they played into the month of June. It just hasn't been there. I mean, you know, you can really only say, and then you look between the pipes, uh, Clay Stevenson, we talked about him a lot earlier. He's been fantastic. Um, especially with Hunter Shepard kind of playing, you know, the frequent flyer miles of going to Washington when they've been having some issues in goal, uh, we obviously talked about some of his outstanding work already. And it's easier to count the guys that haven't scored a goal on this team rather than the guys that have scored a goal. There's only two players who have played on this Bears team, Dmitry Osipov and um, Henry Rabinsky, that haven't scored goals this season on their current active roster. I mean, there's just, you know, everybody's kind of gotten into the act. I mean, we saw in the Lehigh Valley game, the Bears kind of got some luck and some incredible depth scoring. They scored this crazy goal from center ice, essentially, you know, Lucas Johansson fired the puck from his own zone. It clicks off of Lehigh Valley players skate flies high up in the air rainbows and in behind the goaltender. I mean, it's, it's one of those ones like, you know, sometimes you have to be lucky to be good. The bears team is good and lucky. They kind of have it all right now. And then two guys that hadn't scored a goal, they were plugged into the lineup for that game and, Matt Strom and Jake Massey score goals, and it's just unbelievable. I, I just I'm really running out of words to 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 say about it, which is why it's elicited those kind of comparisons to these legendary Bears teams of old. They've matched all these franchise records, their best start through 30 games. Um, you know, matched, I think, the best start through 25 games, you know, just a lot of really great little stats that you know the Bears uh media department has been fantastic at pointing out over the course of the season here. So it's been fantastic to see. And, you know, I think Patrick Williams posted this great stance that the Bears can be very mediocre the rest of this way through, you know, say they fall off incredibly, which he didn't see happening. I don't think when we talked to him last time we had the show, I don't think that really anybody sees happening, but they can be very average and still make the playoffs, you know, at the bare minimum uh, point requirement of last season, if that were to, you know, hold true type of thing. So just incredible stuff. And, you know, I've been so thrilled, you know, it's been a thrill. If you thought that last season was really great, you know, it's been a thrill to, you know, be able to cover this team and watch them uh, closely after so many years of the bears being kind of average there in the 2010s and, you know, just kind of struggling to find that identity. Dina, you know what I'm talking about with uh, the bears only making it to the finals once against the monsters. Um, yep. You know, it's been great to kind of see them rewarded for what should have been a couple of good seasons. I talked about in an article I did a couple of weeks ago where, you know, they had the 1920 season was cut short due to the pandemic. They were so good that season. They weren't able to compete for it the season and later because of, you know, the pandemic restrictions. Um, the year afterwards, you know, they were kind of handcuffed. They lost a lot of their talent. Weren't really sure what we were going to get last season aside from Todd Nelson, you know, 
obviously being an excellent coach. You know, this is an era of excellence that's kind of been on uh, building towards for quite some time for the Bears. And, you know, if it weren't for those two seasons, it could be looked upon even more fondly, possibly. So the fact that we're here talking about it is awesome to me. I'm really thrilled about it. It's it's just so such a team effort. And you see the closeness of these guys every single game. You know, guys sell out to block shots. They don't have sticks and they're battling for each other. You know, it's a it's a really close-knit group. And it's it's honestly pushed them over the hump a couple of times here. Here's what I was talking about with Patrick Williams, if you're watching on YouTube. He mentioned that last season, 80 points were enough to qualify for a playoff spot in the Atlantic Division. Hershey has 54 points with 39 games left to play. If they play a minimum of .333 winning percentage hockey the rest of the way, they will reach that 80-point mark. So it's just incredible. So by that metric, the Bears could, you know, play very poorly, very averagely, and, you know, still, by last year's metric, make the postseason. So, uh, again, it just it boggles my mind, but I love seeing how close this group is you know, you kind of draw it to comparisons in that last team that went back to back with the Bears years ago and saying, this group is special. You know, you're not going to see too many special groups. I think Nelson touched on it. And that's what kind of put it in my mind that groups like these are special and you just don't see it every day, every season, you know, this after next season, who knows where we'll be at this point. You know, it's, it's truly one of a kind couple of years in Hershey here that will be remembered for a long time amongst 86 years of, you know, really great hockey that they provided us with over the years. So I just want to show this clip here, if I can get it pulled up. Okay. So just to kind of show, so earlier, you know, coach Todd Nelson announced Clay Stevenson getting the, uh, goalie of the month award for December and just how happy this group is for their number one met net minder right now. I don't know. This just scrolling through earlier today. This just warmed my heart just to, <laughs> just to see them having fun, goofing off, things like that. But Corey, I kind of wanted to, so the real benchmark in my mind that I have, you already alluded to it, was the 2015-2016 squad that played the Cleveland Monsters. That's the most Hershey Bears hockey I've seen. What I'm starting to see now is a lot of people comparing this Monsters squad with that 2015-2016 squad that won the Calder Cup, where you have a lot of promising young talent some people are saying some of the rookies on this monster team are even better than that crop. And then also with additional players that are going to be eligible possibly to come up at the end of the year for the playoffs, whether it is um, tryout contracts from college kids that are going to be moving up or kids from the juniors that are going to be moving up. I say kids. I'm They're adults now um <laughs> but they were kind of like kids to me when you're almost 40 that's what happens um and also players that will be eligible to go down from the blue jackets because let's face it they're not making the playoffs in case that's a revelation to literally anybody um i'd like to know what uh how you've been able to stay away from that because that's all i see on my timeline and it sucks anyway but i'm seeing a lot of people alluding to that squad with the blue jackets does this hershey squad beat that 2015 2016 blue jackets team um it's it's hard to say at this point i mean without knowing i, I obviously don't know the the blue jackets and the you know the the monsters quite as in-depth as you do but you know kind of going back to you know even comparing the bears team that played the monsters that's so that's summer for the Calder Cup. One of the things that I always remember standing out to me um, during last year's Calder Cup finals was uh, they had an interview with Aaron Ness where they asked him to compare the Bears squad from that season versus that year's team that, you know, obviously went on to win the Calder Cup as Ness is the only player I think left who was on both of those teams. And he kind of, he alluded to, and I thought, thought, thought it really interesting. He said, this team is so much closer, so much, you know, more, you know, they have just, you know, the it factor that the other team lacked, unfortunately. Obviously, the Bears got swept in 2016. And, you know, they really yeah. got it out from, a, again, another 2 nothing deficit in the Calder Cup finals, where a lot of people weren't giving them a chance. 
And it's a really interesting comparison to make. I mean, even to the 2010 team and 2009 teams, you know, they've had some just some great teams and some unforgettable runs and all those kinds of things. This one will truly stand on its own, I think, just because of how good the AHL is right now, right? Like, I remember in the 2010 season, as great as it was, there was a few teams that the Bears, you could, you know, you could almost pencil in a win. It was almost just kind of a question of what the final score would be at times because there wasn't as much parity as there is now. You know, there was there's sure. some teams the Bears run rough shot on uh, at times there. It's reflecting some of those scores. The Bears had a stretch in that year where they put up 10 goals, 7 goals, 8 goals, you know, just incredible numbers. And, you know, this team, they've had to win some really close games. Some of the, you know, more emblematic Todd Nelson kind of coached wins 3-2, to two, Four to two, you know, two to one, one nothing, even at times, where it's really been all about their defensive prowess at times. In addition to you know having a great goal scorer like Pierre Dubay, you know, come up with a big goal or Ethan Frank blasting a one timer on the power play or something, you know. So I think it's truly a unique team in that respect. But what I love about this team is that all these guys are contributing up and down. We talked about Matt Strom and Jake Massey. Those guys work so hard, and they're not even in the lineup all the time either. So it's great to see those guys hop in. They're just as loved by their teammates as anybody there you could find. And that's why, you know, we talked about it with Patrick Williams last time on the show. It's hard to bet against them right now, which is what's so scary, exciting. You know, you know me, I set my – my dreams lofty for the bears every year. And, yeah. You know, this is one where I feel like they're loftier than even what I had them pinned for. So that's just what makes it thrilling to kind of, you know, go to the rink every day to tune in for a game. Be like, what kind of, what, what kind of thing are we going to see this time that, you know, almost reinforces your, your hopes and dreams about in a sense. So it's, it's really great to see. Well, it seems as, you know, if you just look at the standings right now, it seems like your Bears and my Monsters are kind of on a collision course uh, for uh, a really big playoff series. I'm not even going to say it because I don't want to jinx anything because I think that would be a ton of fun to do a few podcast episodes around, you know, your team v. my team. That would just be amazing. Um, But... I wanted to share this. The Hershey Bears posted earlier on today. Last call. Der. Stop by section 117 on the concourse from doors through first intermission on Tuesday night for one last look at the Calder Cup before it heads back to the AHL. And of course, a few uh, Hershey fans had to sound off saying, I mean, until June, right? Says at Todd Chasen. And then uh, at Simpsonati says, hopefully it's back with us in June. And Tarek underscore PA sharing a great picture saying, it'll be back with us this June. Hashtag Calder Cup. So, uh, I know all lot- these guys. Frequent flyers <laughs> in the Bears Nation posts. So shout out to them on this one for bringing, bringing the truth, hopefully. This will hopefully age well in a few months. But we'll, we obviously have to wait and see. But to your point... I was talking with my photographer, Carl Minieri, who takes a lot of the great shots you see on the on our articles and on the, the pages that we share in socials. He was saying, when's Dina coming out to a Bears game? And I think that perhaps if uh, there were to be an Eastern Conference final matchup this season, that that would be a very good excuse for it. So we'll see if maybe, maybe, maybe I uh, hope. The, stars, <laughs> the stars align for something like that to happen. But we'll we'll wait and see how that goes. Y'all, I'll need a place to uh, to stay because that hotel skit, you know, they rack up pretty quick. So I might be crashing on a few couches, but we'll see. But yeah, if there's a That's right over here too. So I got sweet, you sweet. If there's a if there's an Eastern Conference Finals there, I said it. I'll definitely be making the trip out to Hershey. I will save some of my PTO at the day job. Awesome. All right. And before we uh, go to close out the show with my segment, uh, you guys, sports betting, it's been rapidly rising in popularity and having multiple sports book accounts. Honestly, it's the simplest way to maximize your profits. There has never been a better time to sign up. When you visit our page at signupexpert.com, 
slash AHL, you'll be connected to all of the sports books in your region, along with a review of each platform and its unique benefits. So all of these sports books have valuable sign-up offers for new users. And when you register through our link, again, signupexpert.com slash AHL, you will automatically receive the top offer at each one for wherever you live, in any of the Canadian provinces or in the U.S., of course, assuming that sports betting is legal in your area. So when you use multiple sports books, you ensure that you can always access the best available odds, which, as everyone knows, that is key to successful sports betting. If you want to take advantage of these benefits and support our podcast, please consider signing up for your next sports book at signupexpert.com slash AHL. Again, must be 21 or over. Offer only valid in the U.S. states and Canadian territories and provinces where sports betting is legalized. Please gamble responsibly. All right, so it's up to me to close out the show this week. And this week, I want to talk about this meteoric rise of the Belleville Senators in the North Division. To start the season, they were... mm, lackluster to say the least watched a few games weren't overly impressed with them by the time november 18th rolled around they were 6-6-0-1 and sitting at 13 points so you know they're right around that 500 mark at that point they were five points behind the then division leading syracuse crunch and four points behind the now north division leading monsters so at that point Syracuse was 8-3-0-2, Cleveland 8-3-1-0, Toronto 7-3-2-0, Rochester 7-4-2-0, of course Belleville again 6-6-0-1, then trailing behind outside of the playoff picture again as of November 18th were the Laval Racket at 5-8-1-0 and Utica at 4-4-3-0. Since then, from November 18th until now, the Senators have moved up from, what was it, sixth place? Yeah, sixth, or sorry, fifth place to third place. Okay, you know, not too shabby in this North Division that can be quite hostile <laughs> at times. So they are now four points behind the Syracuse Crunch. And, you know, they are currently, Belleville is on a four-game win streak. 6-3-1-0 in their last 10. Currently, they have the best active win streak in the league behind Corey's Hershey Bears and the Tucson Roadrunners. So, of course, the Bears, as of recording, on that eight-game win streak, the Tucson Roadrunners uh, on a five-game win streak, 8-2-0-0 in their last 10. So, Belleville very steadily just chomping away at that deficit of course they are i think it's 11 points behind cleveland so they got a little bit of work to do there but you know being four and a win streak six three one and oh in their past 10 they are one of the better teams um in the league right now so how did they get there well one thing that started it all off was of course the game in on December 22nd against the Toronto Marlies. That started off this win streak December 22nd at CAA Arena. And I'm going to have a clip for you. I apologize that the quality isn't that great. Uh, sometimes with some of these uh, AHL uh, TV cams, they're not the best quality. So we kind of do what we can. But check out this first AHL goal from Tyler Boucher. Uh, while Zach Ostapuk, Roby Jarventi, and Matthew Highmore also tallying for Belleville in that game. Kevin Mandeleze earning his third win of the season, making 31 saves on 34 shots against. But what a way to go ahead and get your team started on a huge winning streak by scoring your first AHL goal. Then a few days later, the day after Christmas, they meet Toronto and beat Toronto again, this time at the Scotiabank Arena of all places, four to 
two. Zach Ostapuk again scoring twice for the Sens with Matthew Highmore and Roby Giaraventi. Gee, do any of those names sound familiar? They also found the net. Kevin Mandalay is a back in net, making 29 saves on 31 shots and was named the first star of that game. Then, a couple of days later, they beat the Laval Rocket 4-1. to Now, the Laval Rocket in that game came out super hard very early, but uh, Belleville took the lead late in the first, didn't give it back up. Jacob Larson, Matthew Highmore again, Josh Curie, and Roby Yarventi again counted uh, for all the Belleville goals by Mad Sogard picking up his sixth win of the season uh, on December 26th, making 30 saves. And then finally, on December 30th, it was another game against the Toronto Marlies. And you can probably guess where this is going. It was another win for the Belleville Senators. This time, it was in overtime. So, this time, 3-2. to two. Sokolov to Reinhardt. What an amazing goal, right? Now, this was a come-from-behind victory. Toronto scoring twice in the first, Roby Jarventi and Igor Sokolov scoring in the third before Cole Reinhardt tallying that overtime winner. Let's take another look at this here. So Igor Sokolov battling along the boards, gets it, could have taken that shot, but he decides to pass it on over to Cole Reinhardt for a beauty of a tally. So Kevin Mandalay is picking up his third consecutive win, making a 30 three saves so that is how Belleville got here what I'm really interested in what is coming up next over the next few weeks for the Belleville Senators so because at this point if you are the Syracuse Crunch I would start getting a little bit nervous here about this upstart team coming out of seemingly nowhere and is all of a sudden you know they're they're gaining on 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 you at least if nothing else they've been holding steady with you and yeah for a Syracuse Crunch team that is on a two game losing streak and is 3-5-2-0 in their last 10 it's time to start worrying about the Belleville Senators and the Syracuse Crunch need to start winning some games so let's take a look at what's coming up for the Belleville Senators Saturday January 6th at Manitoba and Sunday, January 7th at Manitoba, both those games at 2 p.m. And then Wednesday, January 10th versus Manitoba back in Belleville at 7 o'clock. Now, these two teams have faced one other time this season with Manitoba beating Belleville 3-2 to in regulation. Now, back when that game was played, that's when Belleville was much further down in the standings. And with Manitoba currently uh, 4 6 0 and 0 and on a two, you know, in their last 10, a two game win streak, and they're six in the Central, I like Belleville's chances here. And then the next two games after that, Friday, January 12th, and Sunday, January 14th, again against the Toronto Marley. So there's another possible four points right there. Belleville 4 0 0 and 1 against Toronto this season. Two wins in regulation, one loss in a shootout, two wins in overtime. And this all coming from a team that their special teams are nothing to really talk about. They are in the bottom half of the entire league. So Belleville is only clocking in at 15.4% on the power play and 78.3% on the penalty kill. So they're doing most of their work five on five and they're getting it done uh north division the belleville senators are here to play and yeah life is getting exciting over there the one question yeah. i kind of had at the midpoint of this is would you say their goaltending is a little bit underrated here as well because i i noticed a trend between their two goalies um obviously being in hershey we don't get to see belleville that often but we did see them at the beginning of the season and you know, they have some, what I would describe as underrated goals. You won't find either Mad Sogard or Kevin Mendeleys in the, you know, top leaders in the American Hockey League, but they have some really great qualities, I think. You know, and by qualities, I mean size. Mad Sogard is six foot seven. Kevin Mendeleys, six foot five. You know, 
those are some great attributes to have for a goaltender. And, you know, I'm almost kind of surprised that they don't have anything, you know, they're not ranking in the top something either. You know, I, I would be curious to see if that's more of a team thing or, you know, part of their process of, you know, molding into this hot-handed team that we're seeing now. But it seems like they have, you know, that's something that I would say, I would ask you, you know, what your thoughts are on that. And, you know, also, do you see that being kind of a difference maker down the stretch for them possibly? Well, it's definitely a case more of the goalies possibly heating up a little bit. Um, I'm looking at Kevin Mandelaze's uh, scores here. And, you know, it doesn't help when your very first game of the season, you start off with a 667 save percentage. That's not going to really help you in terms of uh, of your stats, but he has started to, to rebound. He's been holding above a 0.9 since the end of November. Um, really going really well in the early to, to mid-December uh, range. When you look at Mad Sogard, it's kind of a case of, it's kind of ebbing and flowing. Um, he definitely hit, you know, towards the mid to, to end of December, definitely hit a bit of a low there with an 8.57 and 8.44. But then he's come back in his last game, the one against Laval on the 28th, and had a 9.68. So it's definitely more team play than anything. But if you get your goalies to heat up at the right time, which it looks like the Belleville goalies are, and, you know, at this point it looks like – uh you know, they don't really have a solid number one. They're kind of going 1A, 1B with with both of their goaltenders so far. So if one of them kind of breaks out, I don't know. It could be a really sneaky good team. But, yeah, kind of a all-team <laughs> all effort right now. Yeah, one thing that I also wanted to ask you in addition to that is, I was looking up and down the Belleville schedule. I see they've already played all their games with the Monsters so far this season. They have. I'm kind of disappointed to see that we won't really get any, you know, playoff aspiration battles here in the second half of the season. An unfortunate victim of circumstance with the, the way the schedules are laid out. But could you see that, you know, these being a Monsters beat writer as well as, you know, talking all this about the Belleville Senators, do you see this being a playoff matchup possibly down the line too? It definitely could. Um, I need to see how, you know, they, uh, they seed everything, but I mean, it's definitely not out of the, the realm of possibilities. It all depends on how the seeding works. Assuming neither team tumbles off of a cliff, which I hope for, None of our sakes that that happens because, you know, I love when Canadian hockey it thrives. You know, I love to see the Canadian teams make it into the playoffs. And uh, it's looking a little sketchy out there in Manitoba. But for the rest of the teams, you know, Abbotsford, Calgary, um, trying to think, Belleville, Toronto, I mean, and of course, Laval definitely looking uh, not so good, but let's get those Canadian teams in the North Division. Uh, I would l honestly love to see a series between Belleville and Toronto. I mean, that would be great. Toronto would need to figure out Belleville before that happens. Otherwise, it's going to be a super quick series. But um, just while we're talking about them, the whole thing I keep thinking of is back to their uh, preseason presser um, with their media day. And one thing that was preached throughout the entire press conference from, you know, the GM all the way down through coaching, the marketing director that was there, and even Captain Dylan Hetherington, three themes kept popping out. Team culture, the depth, and competition. That's just what they kept harping on. And seeing this steady rise, you know, it's like, well, obviously something's working within the culture that the whole team is contributing. Something's obviously working with their depth whenever you have both goaltenders that are starting to really come around, do good things for them. And then competition, you know, they've lined up Toronto. They have sunk them down, only losing one game. And even that was in, you know, post-regulation. It's 
this Belleville team might be able to make a little bit of noise. That'd be exciting to see for them. I mean, it's they've they've had a couple of tough seasons, you know, but the Ottawa pipeline, you know, the Senators are competitive and really, you know, a hard-nosed team to play against. It really seems like Belleville's kind of taken after their NHL Philly in that respect, too. Yeah, I'm just excited to see with the new ownership where it goes from from here, if any decisions are made, come up uh, near the trade deadline time, but that's still a few months away. It might be closer than I think it is, but the season's going by fast. But we're going to have to close it out here for this week's edition of Calder's Calling. If you'd like to check out our written coverage of the AHL, please check us out online at AHL News Now. You can also follow us on all your favorite social media platforms, just like our name is, AHL News Now. Also, please be sure to subscribe and rate our podcast and share it with all of your hockey-loving friends, family, neighbors, co-workers. And finally, we'd like to extend a final thank you to our sponsor, Document Doctors. Until next week, stay warm out there. We hope your team wins, and we will see you all next week. Bye!